This is what happens with us as business owners. We get overwhelmed and we forget about our commitments. We forget that I committed to doing these things. And if I would just continue through on them, I'm going to achieve. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Talk to him. Attorney, high-performance coach, and speaker Cherie Prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick. From starting a business, marketing, strategies, and the ins and outs of their industries. We talk everything from book recommendations, lifestyle hacks, and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business. The Play Big Faster podcast starts now. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. We are here today with Cal Gillette. Cal, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Great. Now, Cal, you have a specialty that I think every entrepreneur in the world needs to know about. Tell us about what you do and who you serve. If you think about a lot of us as business owners, if you want to go ahead and picture an island, and on that island is you. You're alone on that island. At least that's how a lot of us feel as business owners. And you're dragging around the driftwood in the shape of an SOS. You're going, I'm feeling stressed out, I'm feeling overwhelmed, and I'm feeling stuck. What I do is I help my clients work through that, get through that through my blue shirt framework. Essentially, it starts with being a self-aware leader, which is the B in blue, uh, leading with accountability, which is the L, using a growth mindset, and then empowering others. My work is with business owners, mostly uh, dads that are in business, that are growing their business, but they want to continue to grow in their life and in their family and take care of that in addition to taking care of their business. Those are a lot of the clients that I serve. Did you just wake up one morning and decide, hey, I want to go help this group of people? How did you develop the framework? History-wise, I was I went to college in Cal Poly. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that school or not, but it's in California. I went there for kinesiology, which is like a physical therapy degree. My senior year, I, I was stressed out about being an adult. <laughs> Let's just say I was not ready to be an adult. I was 22 and wanting to continue just to love college and enjoy the beach and all that kind of stuff. So I remember calling my parents on the phone and I was sitting there and I happened to be covered in poison oak because I went on a hike. I was covered in poison oak and I was 40 pounds overweight, just not a good place. And I was also 19 units behind in college and I had two quarters to make up for it. Terrible place. I was going to start a personal training business and do all these things. And they tried to encourage me, got off the phone. Nothing had really changed. A couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from this guy named John I'd gone to India with. He said, Hey, why don't you come and interview for this job at this nonprofit? And I said, okay, <laughs> because it was an opportunity and I needed an opportunity. I interviewed for the job. And what it was is living in this men's mentoring program with these guys that are 18, 25, and they're struggling in life. They're just off track in life and they're struggling. And I would live there for a year with them. So I interviewed and got the job. And that ended up turning into a nine plus year experience of living there for one year and then running the pet resort there for a while and then running the program there for a while. Those experiences ultimately led to fast forward a lot to a dream where I woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I heard a voice say self-awareness. That term was what brought everything together for me as I was trying to create my own intellectual property for my business. 
that turned in ultimately into blue. Obviously, there's a ton more details that I could share, but that's the the brief story of how things came about. But your career in kinesiology or physical therapy, no, we just went straight down this path. Yeah, I did the pet resort for a while, and then I did the directing position for a while. And during that whole time, I was mentored by a, a serial entrepreneur. He poured into my life for those nine years. Every Tuesday, he would mentor me for an hour and a half at lunch. We'd talk about what was going on in the program, what was going on with the pet resort, what was going on with me. I got all the business acumen from him in addition to getting to practice it. It was like this really practical master's of business administration for nine straight years. Then I got into senior living for a little bit right after those experiences and then HR. Eventually with the HR, I started doing DISC and I went, wait. I can make some real money if I did some workshops. That's when I started my business. If there was someone who wanted to work with you, how can they contact you or what programs do you offer specifically to work with you one-on-one? Do you have group coaching sessions? I have uh, a book that people can purchase if they're interested in learning a little bit more about me and learning about my process. Then I have a membership community that people can join. And I have like a deep dive session people can do mastermind and one-on-one session. Lots of different options for people if they're interested in diving in with me or maybe they just want to dabble or whatever. But I try to bring a lot of options to the table that benefit each person in their unique situation. Let's unpack that a little bit. Tell us about the book. It's called Right Now Leadership, and it's a four-part framework for today's leaders, all about the mindsets and habits we need to bring right now to our leadership that we can deploy right now in our leadership. I break down five mindsets and five habits for each of those four pillars that I shared at the beginning. As you walk through the book, you get the stories of how I've applied it, how other people have applied it. You get metaphors and anecdotes. I start the book with the story of the three little pigs and how in our businesses, we all have a leadership house that we're building. And which leadership house did you build? Because if you built the straw or the wood house, the big bad wolf, the market competition is going to blow that thing over and you're going to be kind of hosed. Or you can have the brick house, which is going to stand no matter what. And where can we find the book? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, various other retailers. It actually hit the shelves on October 17th. So I'm super excited about that. We'll definitely put that in the link below. Anyone who's listening or watching Definitely go out and pick the book up. Next step, membership. What exactly are you offering in the membership? In the membership, what we do is a group of business owners that come together to be able to network together, of course. We have monthly topics that people can focus on and uh, collaborate on that. We have monthly networking meetings and then quarterly masterminds as well. I bring in guest speakers and we do special topics and special events throughout, throughout the year. Try to keep it as engaging as possible and as nuanced as possible to fit each uh, person that's in the community. With your membership, is it a high-level mastermind or do you just mastermind within the membership? The masterminds in the membership are only quarterly, but the mastermind mastermind is much more consistent and you got to be there. (laughs) There's no absences. It's every other week. It's super intentional and it's going to be a smaller group of people as well. Would that require you to be remote or when you say you have to be there, is it virtual meetups or in person? Yeah, just the attendance is mandatory type thing. The entire framework, I mentioned in our brief chat before about COVID, about the world slowing down some. I really realized at that point that I was a little stressed out and I probably can use this as well. Do you work with primarily men or any females at all? 
I do have female clients for sure. So I work with people that are a good fit, both directions. It is open to, to working with anybody. I have three or four female clients right now. Let's talk about some of the ways that you could enter into your programs. Do I have to be stressed out or stuck at a certain level? How do I know that I'm the right fit for one of your groups? A lot of my clients come to me with, they're not as productive as they want to be. I just finished working with somebody today where his struggles, he gets to these points where he's being lazy. His words, not mine. <laughs> he said he's, he's being lazy. And so we went through a whole neuro-linguistic programming process with him to break that. The pattern's broken now for him. So he's not going to do that anymore, which is wonderful. A lot of people come to me because they're in that place where they have all this work and they have too much work that they're trying to do on their own. And my job is to help them become aware of that, own it, and then choose to empower people around them. That's the real solution in our businesses is, yes, we need to have great systems and processes. And that's been talked about like crazy. I could talk about that as well. But truly my passion when it comes to helping my clients is who do you have on your team or who can you add to your team that makes it so that you can have freedom, so that you can take whatever you're great at whatever that is, and only do that. And then give everything else to someone else that's great at those things. Wow. That's my goal with my clients. Because then they're truly enjoying their job, and, or their business, I should say. And then everybody that's working for them is truly enjoying their job. That takes an organization and guarantees more profitability and efficiency and a way better culture. And I know that each case is individual, but can we talk about time commitment? initially that you may suggest to someone that they need if they're going to start working with you either in a mastermind or a group or one-on-one -on -one coaching environment. I write in my contract, we, we meet every other week for an hour. That's the base level, but I'm available to my clients whenever I'm needed within reason <laughs> with my own schedule and life, right? But I'm available to them and people take me up on that from time to time. What's more important is the in-between. There's two in-betweens. There's the in-between time where I've done the coaching with them. Then there's the work that they need to do, right? That's the in-between work. And that's three to five hours a week that they need to be doing the work of what we've been discussing. Because this is heavy stuff. We're not doing little things. We're moving forward significantly. So your business can grow that 30% to 300%. Because that's usually my track record is a 30 to 300% revenue improvement. Then there's the second in-between, which is right here. In between those ears. If, if we don't get that figured out, Everything else is a wash or a loss. I don't even care if your business grows. If we can't help you with that mindset, the in-between your ears part, then we're not making any progress that's going to stick. That's why we need that. Yes, we meet every other week, but that's why the in-between time of what are you going to be doing to improve your business? What are you going to be doing to take care of your mindsets and habits? That's primarily what the book is all about is those mindsets and habits. Was that like a six-month commitment for once a week or is there a time yeah. limit? Six, six months to a year, and then most people continue with me longer. They just want to continue doing the work because eventually the business is dialed and things are going well, but now they want to work on themselves and dive deep into that. And I found that I have a few clients like that right now. That's all we're doing. The business is fine. Now it's about them as a person. I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. Could you give us maybe three examples of some things not to do if you're feeling stuck and stressed out? Yeah, don't just buckle down and continue working. Take the time to, what is going on? <laughs> Why am I feeling stressed out and stuck? What is happening within myself 
that is creating this, right? Take the time and reflect on that. That's huge. And the way to, one simple way to do that is to journal. Take some time to write out whatever's going on, whatever's stressing you, write it out. Think about it. Look at it on paper. Number two would be find a mentor. Of course, I want you to find a coach too, because coaches are fantastic, but find a mentor, find someone that is older and more experienced than you in your industry, or at least in business, take them to coffee, spend time with them. I have a mentor that does Vistage and we go to lunch once every four or five months. And then I just chat with him. And there's something about that that shifts the perspective of what's going on in your business. Thirdly, don't forget about the people that you already have around you. Those people that you hired or those people that are vendors to you or contract labor, they're good at what you hired them for. You wouldn't have hired them if they weren't good at it. And if you did and they're not good at it, then terminate them because they're creating more headache than they should be. So there's a lot of other ones, but those are the three that come to mind real quickly here. Do you have one success story that you're really proud of that you think may be a bright light to someone who's listening who may need your services? I could share several. Two come to mind. One of them is this lady that I'm currently coaching still that she, we first started and a little over a year ago. And let's just say she is a hard driver and knows her stuff. She runs two different school locations, private schools uh, to arts school. And she's from New York. And so she has the answers. She's fast going. And now she's living out here on the West Coast where everything's way more chill and mellow. That contrast was a huge deal for her. And she hadn't quite dealt with it yet. We started having coaching conversations. One of the first things that was wrong is she didn't have systems dialed in. So we got her systems dialed in. She found someone on her staff that loves that. And then found a second person on our staff that likes it at least. <laughs> and so they have then developed really good systems for the business, which then freed her up to do my favorite part, which is empower her team. She went from being the superhero, being Wonder Woman, and soon as someone goes into her office with a problem, solving it for them to empowering them to solve it for themselves. And I can walk you guys through that, how to do that after I share the two stories. But she started doing that. And now she's going to open a third location and they're the most profitable they've ever been. This pivot from being Wonder Woman to, wait, I've got a whole wonderful team that I've hired because yes. she's good at hiring has turned everything just to this whole new level for her. The second story is I'm working with this mom and pop place that's a carpet cleaning organization. They came to me wanting to be more accountable to the goals that they've set for their business and for their personal lives. They want to retire within the next five to 10 years. Now, probably more like five years. They came to me with the personal stuff and the professional stuff. The main thing was they wanted that accountability support and some ideas of like nuances of how to increase income. Without going into all the details of how we did the nuance part, they grew 30% as a mom and pop place this year. They've had two months that they're the highest grossing months they've ever had. Do I get some credit for that? Sure. But most importantly, what happened is they committed to what they said they were going to do, and then they did it. <laughs> this is what happens with us as business owners. We get overwhelmed and we forget about our commitments. We forget that I committed to doing these things, and if I would just continue through on them, I'm going to achieve. And so me being there and helping them nuance those commitments moved them forward. But it's their work, right? They did the work, and so did the other lady as well. You were saying about, for your first example, you were going to walk us through part of the systems? 
At the end of my book, I talk about empowerment. Since I wrote the book, there's been some new insights. This is fun stuff, but I've discovered that there's really five key steps to empowering other people. Ultimately, when you think of empowerment, what do you think of when you're thinking of empowerment? What are we empowering someone to do? I'm literally asking you, what do you think of when you think of empowering people? To take action in their full potential. Oh, that's a good, I like that. Take action in their full, that's good, that's good. And how you get there is by empowering their thinking. So if you empower their thinking, now they can take action to their full potential. If you don't empower their thinking, they can't. So there's five steps to work through that. The first step is what was the last movie or TV show that you watched that you were riveted by? It could be a podcast. Amy Porterfield about her last launch and just about the numbers, the marketing. I was blown away by that one. So you're listening to Amy and she's telling you her stories, her experiences, all that kind of stuff. Did you pull out your cell phone and start texting somebody? No, I started taking notes. <laughs> Did you turn your body away or distract yourself doing other things while you're listening to this podcast? Not at all. Of course not. That's the first step in empowering other people is acting as if they are the most important person and thing to listen to in the room, to pay attention to in the room or virtually, right? And so that looks like not looking at your phone. That looks like not turning my body away from them when I'm trying to converse with them. That looks like full-on engagement. And when you do that, if you assume the person is fascinating, then your unconscious mind is going to grab the things that prove that to be true. Every second, we get 2 million bits of information that goes into our unconscious mind and, and gets filtered, right? So... We can only grab a hold of those consciously, only 126 of them, right? So we, we still get 2 million of them every second, but we can only really focus on 126 of them is, is what the research shows. So imagine 2 million toothpicks falling down every second, and you get to reach in there and grab 126 of them. If I choose to say that you're boring, I'm going to find ways to grab toothpicks that prove that. If I choose to say that you're interesting and exciting and worth listening to, I'm going to grab the pieces of information that prove that to be true. Because that's how much, that's just so much to observe in a situation in particular about a person. That's the core right there. You get that started and now you move to step two, which is study. And I don't mean get out your book. I don't mean listen to podcasts. I mean, study the people that you can empower, the people around you. This is obviously family. This is friends. And since we're talking to entrepreneurs, this is your employees. How do you study them? You pay attention. <laughs> you start with being riveted and then you pay attention. And those opportunities come way more often than we realize. They come when you get interrupted. Every time I'm interrupted is an opportunity for me to study that person. What is she interrupting me for? What is he interrupting me for? What is the pattern here? What is the language they use? Are they using visual language? Are they using auditory language? Are they using kinesthetic language? And then pivoting my communication with them towards that. And of course, you can have them take assessments and there's all kinds of other tools. But every day as business owners, we get those interruptions that are like two to 12 minutes long. Someone calls you, they text you, or they show up in your office and they interrupt you. And two to 12 minutes later, they're out of your office. But now that you've, now that you've studied them and you're fascinated by what's possible in them, because they're so interesting, because you're grabbing that bit of those bits of information. Now the third step, which is the core of it all, the center of it all is to help them think for themselves. And how do you do that? 
Four words. What do you think? That's it. Ask that question. They come into the room, they interrupt you, and you say, what do you think? Or you can phrase it differently. What are your thoughts? Or what have you tried? The point is you ask a question, and I can't remember the scientific term for it, but basically when you ask a question, your brain has to deal with that. Just like when someone says, don't think of a pink elephant, you see a pink elephant. This is the same idea with a question. You ask a powerful question that's open-ended, not closed. It's not a yes or no. You force their brain to think about that question. And so this is what Gabriel, the first lady that I was mentioning, did. I told her that question and she started doing that. Like quite literally that question and everything pivoted in her heart, in her head. And then it pivoted for her employees as well. Okay, I'll speed up now. The next two. So if you're, if you are fascinated by the employee, riveted at the edge of your seat, because they are interesting, because people are amazing. You study them because you care. And then you ask powerful questions and give them the space to think for themselves by shutting your freaking mouth. <laughs> hard it's going to be hard, but I'm going to try. Yes, you're quiet. And you let them struggle in the silence and you let yourself struggle in the silence when there isn't an answer. You still just shh, be quiet. Anyway, once you're past that stage, then you move to accountability. Now, accountability is this whole other avenue. But the reason that accountability is part of empowerment is because it's automatic. If I own my business, like you own your business, are you more accountable in that situation or are you more accountable when it's just a job? Oh, no, definitely when it's my business. Of course, right? So when the employee that doesn't own your business makes their decisions based on their thinking about the actions to take in their situation, even though it's within your business, they're going to own that decision way more than had you told them exactly what to do. Of course, there's policies and procedures that follow. I get that. But when they're resolving problems, they're going to own it, which means they're going to be much more accountable and they're going to be much more creative and all that. What does that do? Back to SOS. You're less stressed out because you're not solving every situation. You're less overwhelmed because they want to take on the problem and you're not stuck anymore because they've moved past the problem that you didn't even know existed because they solved it on their own because you've empowered them to think for themselves. Then what do you do because of all that? You celebrate them. you got to celebrate them because they've started to think for themselves. They started to be more efficient. They've become uh, more innovative. The catch, though, we're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate their successes, but they're going to have setbacks, too, because they're thinking for themselves. Just like you and I have setbacks, they will, too. But we got to celebrate those, too. we got to celebrate the effort they put into it and the person that they are because of the thinking they put into it. And that's a harder one, but if I don't celebrate the setbacks when my employee screws up, I'm going to crush their willingness to think for themselves. And they're going to come back to me and expect me to have the answers because they're afraid to think for themselves now. So I know I took a long time to explain all that, but that's the five parts to empowering others. Let's talk about what does it look like to celebrate the setbacks? Yeah, see, I got that question. I presented on this on, what was it, Tuesday, and I got that question. So it looks like when Susie comes to you and she's dealing with a customer and she did not deliver properly with that customer, but in the process of trying to deliver properly, she tried something new or she came up with a solution on her own without engaging with you. And the solution was crap. <laughs> it was, it just didn't, obviously, because it didn't work out. But instead of attacking that she screwed it up, you first of all figure out how can we resolve this problem? What do you think we can do, Susie, to help this customer be happy? Okay, get that figured out. 
But then you go to Susie and you say, Susie, I really appreciate that you came up with your own approach to this. I know it didn't work, but I really appreciate that you came up with your own approach. What could you, how could you adjust that approach next time so that it works out? So you're showing your appreciation. You're celebrating that person for what they did with the customer, right? So, and that can happen in sales. That can happen in, I mean, the, it's limitless, right? Where those mistakes can happen. Well, Cal, if you had one piece of advice to give to someone um, who was stressed out, who felt like they were on an island by themselves so that they can play big faster and get those quantum leaps to get to where they want to be, what would it be? Yeah, write down all the names of the people that you know that work for you, that work around you, that that you like have connections with and figure out in that mix, who are your all-stars? Now, it's not just your employees. It's also networking contacts. It's people you've maybe talked to once or that all-star that you have a really loose connection with. But write all those names down and then start working to make deeper connections with each one of those. Because to make that quantum leap, it's about the people, not what you can personally do. Because you're limiting yourself automatically when you don't think about who can move you forward and how you can move them forward. Kyle, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm going to make sure that I add the link to the book in the description, the video. And until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. I already subscribed. I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster.